want to preach about a subject that's so little spoken about. And there, there are whole denominations, masses of people that will never hear what you're going to hear this morning. They just will not hear it. The administration, those in power, will not allow this to be preached, uh, would not tolerate it, and would not uh, live with it. Because it is too strong. It's interesting we've come to a day where evil has abounding, and yet it's wrong to say anything about it. Does that seem ironic to you? Evil's abounding, and it's just wrong to say anything about it. I, when I preached on immorality a few weeks ago, the, the, uh, uh, the I have a lot of different names, a hungry woman sermon, um, people came out one right after another and says, I, I, uh, there's very few places in America that that sermon would be preached. Many came out and said, uh, it needs to be preached in every church all over America. Of course it does. It's the Bible. God's word needs to be preached in its whole. The, the good, if I'm going to say it this way, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the parts you like, the parts you don't like, and the part that really bothers you. It needs to be spoken. I mean, we don't get saved on our conditions. We get saved on God's conditions. We come to him and submit to him. I'll take your Bibles to John. I've prefaced this enough. John chapter 15, verses 22 to 24. John chapter 15 is known for the uh, vine and branch discourse. There are no parables in the book of John, only discourses. And so we see at the end of that, Jesus summarizes. I love summaries. I love summaries. I love application. It's what helps you. The title of this is Why People Hate. I use the word wisely. And carefully, why people hate Jesus. Jesus said in verse 22, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. That means there is a cloak. And it was taken off. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, and I think that's a statement I need to underline for sure. They had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. This is a startling statement, I think. Spoken by Jesus, if you have a red-letter edition. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of John, the same book. The, one of the, I'm going to call it the favorite chapter of the Bible, chapter 3 of the book of John. It's a chapter of love, isn't it? Chapter 3, wow. Of course, John 3.16 is probably the most memorized and the most quoted and the most sought-after verse, printed verse, copied verse out of the whole New Testament. But a lot of people don't go down and continue. But Jesus, in his discourse here, continues to go all the way down to verse 21. He doesn't just stop 
Now, that's good to quote that, but we need to also understand it. It does have a thing called a context. And so we have in verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's purpose is to save you. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of, Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. Men loved, they didn't like, they didn't like. They loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, say that next word with me, hateth, not just dislike, hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Now the same Jesus that spoke John chapter 15, verse 22 to 24, also spoke there in John and so many other places. And you that know the Bible know there's many other places that he speaks about this subject. It's a startling statement because it was really given to the Pharisees, Sadducees, and religious leaders of his day who claimed to be keepers of the holy law of God. Basically, they would think if anybody loved God, we love him. Uh, if anybody cared for the welfare of worship of the one true God, we're the group. But if you've ever read Matthew 23, Jesus preaches his no-holes-barred, hardest sermon, toughest words for that group of people that was in control of the truth. Book of Mo, you know, the Old Testament is all they had for the day. Uh, Jesus strips back through his teachings, their facade and religious garb, and shows them for what they really are. Nobody likes to be stripped in public. What is going on in our politics today is for the first time in a long time, the liberals of our country are being stripped of their facade. They've had the facade that we're the ones who care for people, but they don't care for people. They care more about illegal immigrants than they do for Americans. That's not politics. That's just the truth. Jesus did that same thing. He stripped these all oh, these people that went around in long garbs of religious religiosity and self-righteousness, and they played the religion thing, and, and they went to service, and they did their deal, and they sacrificed, and, and you know, they had the law of Moses. They quoted Moses a lot, talked about Moses, and talked about the But inward, he says, they're ravening wolves. Wow. If I may say, they hated the Father, God, who they said they represented. Turn me down just a little bit. They hated God, who they represented, they said they represented. 
And if they hated the Father, they hated Jesus. And if they hated Jesus, they hated the Father. What's that tell you? Jesus and the Father are one. That's right. The Catholic priests of our day, and, 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 and nobody knows, I'm not, when I say these statements, I don't know everybody, but I'm just taking generalities here. The Catholic priests, the Episcopalian priests, the Church of England priests, many Methodist priests, liberal Presbyterians, leaders of aimless, nameless, independent uh, uh, religious groups, yea, even some Baptist and Pentecostal groups who do not believe the Bible. By their actions and statements, they deny the Bible. By what they approve, they deny the Bible. By their lives, they deny the Bible. According to Jesus' words, they hate him. Because the Bible are Jesus' words. They hate not just him, they hate the Father. But you say, preacher, these are people giving their whole life over to uh, uh, worship of God. So were the Pharisees. So were the Sadducees. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I say after that, duh. 1 John 2, 4 says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, nobody likes to be called a liar, but God really don't care too much what you like. He cares what truth is. People come to me sometimes and say, I came to your service, I didn't like it. I say, good. We're not making this service to, to be pleasing to you. We're making this service what we believe is pleasing to God. That's what we want to do. If people come, they come. If they don't come, they don't come. But trust me, we're not changing just because they don't come. Because we believe what we're doing is Bible-based, definable, provable, biblical, and right. And so, 1 John says, if you say it, I, I've spoken about this lately because my cousin and I are, are, are messaging back and forth and having this whirlwind. Uh, he basically is a raving liberal. And he believes everything, hook, line, and sinker, that the liberals believe. He does not believe the Bible's accurate. And it's, it's a rendition. He may believe that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 possibly could be true, but not much more than that. The typical liberal now, he didn't want me to know what he does not believe or what he does believe, but because we've been talking back and forth uh, by using God's word, it just basically makes him come out of the closet. And he's not comfortable with that. And i never seen such hate come out of a guy. He's called me names that almost hurt my feelings. And we grew up together, this kid and I. He's called me names that almost hurt my feelings. I mean, some of them have even been creative. I admired his vocabulary. And if you're going to get dressed down, you might as well be dressed down with a good vocabulary. Now, 1 John 2.22 says, Who is a liar? 
but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So John is agreeing with Jesus. If you deny the Son, you're denying the Father. If you, you can't have one, you, you, got, you got them both or you don't have them. You can't be, he, Jesus cannot be the Christ if his words are not true. Which proclaims, these words that is, proclaims his deity his physical, bodily, visible resurrection from the dead, which proclaims the inspiration of what he says and the miracles. Now, folks, if those words are no good, Jesus is no good because Jesus is the living word proclaimed by the Bible itself. He said, let's go back to the original statement here in John uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 22, he says, If I had not come and spoken unto them. So let me deal with two things here that he speaks about. First of all, his words. Jesus spoke like no other man. In John chapter 7, verse 46, the Sanhedrin sent folks to arrest him. Never man spake like this man. When he was crucified, in Mark chapter 15, verse 39, when the centurion that crucified him, listen to this, it said, When the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and, and gave up the ghost, he said, this is the heathen centurion. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. Now look, he's a man on the spot. He's not getting this from another witness. He's there. He witnesses the whole crucifixion. He supervises the whole thing. He hears the seven kisses of Calvary. The seven statements of Calvary. After that last statement, into the hands, into my hands, do I commend my spirit? He goes, truly, this man was the son of God. And that's what it was all about. It was his words that these Pharisees had objected to. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 43, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, that was their mocking him while he was being crucified. Listen to what they say. For he said, I am the Son of God. The reason they hung him up on that cross, delivered him over to Pilate, was not because of those good things he did and the miracles he did and the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, all that other good stuff for three and a half years. It was because he claimed to be God manifest in the flesh because that's what the Son of God means. In John 19, 7 it says, the Jews answered him, we have a law by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. That's what they told Pilate. So they were deeply convinced that this man was making himself deity. Because nobody, but nothing but deity, nobody but deity could say what he said without either being a lunatic or a liar. And, it, you know, they say the three logical choices of Jesus is he was a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. You're going to fall in one of those three camps one way or another. These words that Jesus spoke were not just any words. They're living words. John 6, 63, Jesus' words. It is a spirit that quickeneth, makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit 
and they are life. Who says that? Who says, Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Listen, you got to be God to say that, or you're a lunatic, or you're a liar. Nobody's, I'm not going to tell you my words aren't going to pass away. They're not even going to remember who I am 50 years from now, and I'm being generous. Some people in this room are going to say, we're going to consciously forget you. It'll be all right. Who says in John chapter 12, verse 48, again, Jesus' words, he that re rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. What kind of arrogance is that? He's saying, I'm saying things that are going to be, you're going to be held accountable for in the very day of judgment when you come to stand before God, which happens to be Jesus Christ, which we know later, of course. The judge of all the earth. All judgment's been given to the Son. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. You say, I don't like Jesus. You will. But it'll be too late. Who says stuff like Luke chapter 9, verse 26, where these are again Jesus' words, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glo own glory and in his Father's and with the holy angels. Now, who can say that? Who can say? He's going to get crucified by the Romans. But nevertheless, that doesn't bother him a bit. He says, I'm coming with my holy angels in my own glory and in the Father's. Nobody says that unless they either are a lunatic, a liar, or indeed Jesus Christ is Lord. It would be wise of you to receive him as your Lord before you're forced to say it. Because see, every being, I use my word carefully, every being is going to someday confess Jesus Christ as Lord. The angels are all going to confess. The demons are all going to confess. All the creation, the creatures, all are going to confess. Every human being ever born, all are going to confess. Why? Because there is only one truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, not a way, the truth, not a truth, the life, not a life. Again, he said, if I had not spoken what I've spoken, well, then you wouldn't be as accountable. But now I have spoken, and now indeed I have to you. And he says, the second thing he says in that, those, that three verses there in John, if I had not come and done these works, is that the trumpet? That was mighty low, or my hearing's shot. 
I don't see any of you going anywhere either. I should have Abdiel take your trumpet one of these services. I'm going to preach on the rapture, brother. And that's a key word. I'm going to have Abdiel do a big shot on the trumpet. Beside, beside the doc's got to be here to do, you'll have to probably do a little heart problems with some of these folks. But, but man, I want to see it happen. He said, if I had not come and done these works, what kind of works? Unique words and unique works. Jesus' words were not like anybody else's words. Don't you be deceived to believe somehow Muhammad and the Quran or anything close to the Word of God. Don't believe it. Don't, don't even, don't, don't even. Go ahead and look at it. You'll see the difference. Uh, don't, don't believe there's been anybody speak like Jesus has spoken because there hasn't been. And don't believe anybody's done the works that Jesus did because nobody has. He says, if I had not done among you the works which none other man did, they had not sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my Father. These works were a witness that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the one, the coming one, the Savior of the world. When he was born, before he was born, the angel, I believe Gabriel, told Mary, this, is, this isn't just any child you're going to have. This is going to be the Savior of the whole world, past, present, and future, if they believe. In John 5, 36, he says, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. In John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. In John 10, 25, he says, I told you that ye, that ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. So not only does the words of Jesus bear witness of him, but the very works of Jesus bear witness of him. And these works were never, ever done any time by anyone else in history. In our Bibles, in the New Testament, you have 34 recorded miracles. That was just a little bitty module of what was done. Because it says in John chapter 21, 25, and there were also many other things which Jesus did, which if it should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. I want Jesus, the Bible says he'd go into a village and heal everybody that was sick and everybody that was infirm. <clears throat> there are four things about the works of Jesus that we know. Number one, they were unique. That means no one ever did it. Number two, they were powerful. No one ever calmed the sea before, caused a man born blind to see before, a man that was crippled from birth to leap like a deer before. They, thirdly, they were provable. The miracles of Jesus were not like these modern faith healers who, for some reason or another, only do internal healing. Right, Doc? I got a stomach ache. Boom, I'm healed. Well, I never saw it. It's not proven. But brother, if I come in there with our arms and I walk out of your office with arms, bingo, everybody's going to prove it. We'll put it on NBC. Oh, no, let's not put it on the major media. We'll go to Fox. Because somehow they'll twist that thing out to being a propaganda tool for the Republican Party or something. I don't know. But the miracles that Jesus did, everybody knew this guy was born without eyes, never had any eyes. He just had sockets. 
And Jesus put, took a little ground off of the earth and he spit in it. And he made something. He put it in the guy's eyes. He says, go wash. The guy obeyed a simple command to go wash. Now, to go wash wasn't an easy commandment. I've been to that pool, by the way. I got down in that pool on these, at that time, pretty young knees. I got down in that pool thinking I would never had seen, never had seen anything in my life. Didn't know what a sunset looked like. Didn't know what a rose looked like. Her heard about it. Because people that can't see hear well. And he, I took my hands in that pool and I took that water up there in my face and I washed it and I opened my eyes. <sighs> Folks, he did miracles that invited any inspection you want to inspect. They invited anybody, any doctor, any physician, anything. Challenge it all you want because it was unchallengeable. And fourthly, it was compassionate. The miracles of Jesus, he cared about everybody, healed all that were sick and afflicted by the grace of God when he went through those areas. He did not take an offering. He did not take an offering. You go to these faith healing meetings, they take a massive offering. Massive offering. How about just go to the hospital? If you really got the gift of healing, hey, I've prayed for the gift of healing, preacher. Man, I've been around people I felt so bad about. I said, Lord Jesus, please, please. But I can say this. If I had the gift of healing, brother, I would not be going around holding big convocation meetings and, and getting an offering. I'd be going to the hospitals and saying, let's do that. Let's, let's, let's go. I know you doctors would rally together, not you, of course, but the liberal doctors would rally together and, 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 and be upset that they now they had to really work for a living. <laughs> not, not you, yeah, not you. I'm talking about them, brother. Not, not you, nothing about them. Not you, talk about them. We, we, we love you. We love you people. The miracles were unique, they were powerful, they were provable, and they were compassionate. He said, if I had not come and spoken these words, which were unique among all words, if I had not done these miracles, which were unique among all the miracles, the world would be drastically different. I like Paul when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith also is vain. And if Christ be not risen, raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Brother, the resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot be oversold. It proved that of all the people that said, I am, he was. And if I may say he was, he is, and he is to come, the Almighty. We would still be in our sins. We'd still be in the slavery and the grip and the bondage of sin. Hell would be our destination. We would be without hope, without God in the world. But because Christ did come and he did speak and he did those miracles and he lived a perfect life and died for our sins and offered us eternal life by his grace, now we can have a home in heaven. Our name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. 
We can sing new life in Christ, abundant and free. Can't we? I know you still got problems. You still get sick. You still lose money on the stock market. I remember, I remember Black Tuesday a while back. That took half of my wife's 401k, half of it. 35 years of work. You know what I learned? But I already knew. That if you set your heart on riches, they take wings and... In one day, boom, they're gone. I am not going to set my heart on those things. They come fine, they go fine. I am going to set my heart on Jesus. And I can tell you this, you'll not be disappointed if you set your heart on Jesus. In Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to baptism, he said unto them, Oh, thank you for coming and gracing our presence with your presence. Thank you for doing God a favor and checking in. Now you can go about the rest of the week and do whatever you want. No, Jesus didn't say or He didn't say that. He said, Oh, generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Don't you love God's word? I just like it. It cuts through all of the all of the uh, flattery and cuts through all of the politically correct. And it goes right to where you are. That's what drew me to him. That's what drew me to Jesus was his honesty. I didn't need flattering words. I didn't need to be told I was good. I knew better. And you know better. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. That's what the Bible says. And you know it's true. And you try to stand before God on any kind of good works you've accumulated, and you're going to be horribly disappointed. And the words that he spoke then will be spoken to you, you generation of vipers. How are you going to escape the wrath to come? What is that wrath? The wrath that is incurred by your sins is going to have to come upon you. Why? Jesus died for you and took your place. Over and over again, it says in the Bible, He died for us. He died for our sins. He took your place on that old rugged cross. He suffered the penalty of your sin on an old rugged cross. Why in the world would you take that penalty? Why would you choose to take the wrath that went on Jesus upon yourself? But if you reject him in unbelief, someday you'll face him at a thing called the great white throne judgment and have to answer for your own sin. Don't do it. Trust Jesus now. Come up under him now. Love Him now. Obey Him now. Make Him number one in your life, your reason for living, your new dream. We live in a generation that says, oh, follow your dream. Make Jesus your dream. 
Make everything point to one place, the Lord Jesus Christ. I did that when I was 18 years old. I'm 66. And I can tell you just by living, that was a great decision. Living for Jesus is a fabulous life. It is a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of security, a life of anticipation, a life that gets brighter and brighter with each day lived, not darker and darker as you grow old. It just gets better and better as you grow old in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And nothing gets better than this. You're, un, you're untouchable because you're in Christ. Oh, I hope you choose him. Rise up, O oh Christian, and praise his name. Jesus has come. He's spoken. He's done the works that no other man did. He's, he's set you free by his shed blood. He's allowed you to have access to the very holy of holies that only the high priest in the Jewish faith would once a year be able to go into. Now we can, by saying, by bowing your head in Jesus' name, you enter into the very holy of holies in the throne room of God. You have God's attention. Wow. Trust Him. Trust Him. Our Heavenly Father, in that name above every name this morning, may these people, that in the sound of my voice, it could be over the internet in the future, but in the sound of this voice, through these words of the Bible, through empowered by the Holy Spirit, may some people trust Jesus as their personal Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I hope today you know that if you died, you have a certainty in your heart, not based upon some religious leader that told you or some creed you once memorized or some baptism you once took or maybe a communion that you participated in or, or possibly a membership to some organization or church but based upon the words of the Bible. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can go to the Bible and you can take, it may take you a little hard time to find it, but you'll find the verses. I'm basing my life on the truths of these verses. I've trusted Christ. I honestly was sorrowful for my sin and repented. And ask Jesus to save me. By grace, through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Have you done that this morning? Nobody's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm the only one looking around. I know I don't do this very often, but I feel led this morning to do it. If you are here this morning and you have doubt on whether you'll spend eternity in heaven. You have doubt on whether you've trusted Christ 
There's a doubt in your heart tonight, this morning. There's a doubt in your heart. Would you be willing to lift your hand and let me pray for you? I'll not embarrass you. I'll not call you out. I will not trick you. This is not a trick, but I want to pray for you. But you'll raise your hand as a word of God and this old preacher and say, Preacher, pray for me. I need the assurance you're talking about, but I don't have it. Anybody in here this morning? Will not hurt you. We'll, we'll love you, and we will not mention your name to anyone. I assure you that. Anybody in here this morning? Say, Brother, but yes, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want, I need, I want the assurance you're talking about in my heart. I pray, Father, that you'd anoint your word as it always is, really. And that you would save some folks here at the gospel as they come in from all over the country. Father, may you help us to live a life that would be honorable, as the Bible says, to walk worthy of the calling which has been given to us. Now help us to follow the leading of the blessed Holy Spirit as he leads at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.